0: each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. When today's guest committed to a year long shopping ban, she learned that the less she consumed, the more fulfilled she felt. Kate Flanders changed old habits and discovered what really mattered to her. So, on today's show, stay with us to learn about how questioning what you hold on to most in life might lead you on your own path of less. Are you ready to meet Kate? Kate Flanders is a former binge consumer turned mindful consumer of everything. In her book, The Year of Less, she documents a year in which she didn't shop and what she learned about herself as a consumer along the way. Kate's story has been shared in The New York Times, Vogue, on Oprah.com, Forbes, Thrive Global, The Guardian, and more. You can find out more about Kate and her work at kateflanders.com. Kate, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for for being here it now it sounds like from reading the book you've you've made a habit of setting challenges for yourself and then holding yourself accountable for those challenges by writing about it on your blog and these are really personal challenges like losing weight and stopping drinking and getting out of debt what is it that inspired you to choose this way this very public way of creating change in your life
1: oh that's that's such a good question and it's um Something I will say, like eight years ago when I started doing it, I don't think it was ever meant to be very public. Um, so I started my blog, yeah, in October of 2010 for the first time. And I say the first time because I deleted it a few months later um, and, then, and then restarted it a few months after that. It um, basically was something that I was using as Um, Like similar to the way if you were, say, like you were trying to lose weight or tracking what you were eating, tracking your workouts, like things like that. The only goal for my blog in the beginning was that I was tracking my spending and my debt repayment progress. So at the time, um, I was only 25 years old and I was maxed out with close to $30,000 of debt, like most of which was consumer. So it's not like it was all student loans or had gone towards anything really positive or that could have been positive. I, I truly was a very mindless spender, um, and also a binge consumer. And like you just said, I, I quit drinking, so I used to speak, um, a pretty heavy binge drinker. And I got to this place where I was maxed out. Um, and at that point truly had no option, but to start paying off my debt. And so I thought I would start a blog just to track numbers. Um, And if you read like the first six months of posts, they're literally that. So it's quite boring, (laughs) but it was just a lot of um, tracking something and then finding there were a few other bloggers kind of doing the same thing. So finding a few kind of online friends that I could chat with about, about my experiences with money and how I was trying to better myself. Um, And that's all it was at first, but I will say that I used to write anonymously Like when I first started my blog, I wrote anonymously because I didn't want anyone in my real life to find out how much debt I had Mm. Um, because I had so much shame about it. Uh, I just felt like I had sort of ruined any chance of having a strong financial future. And I didn't want anyone to know. I did not want my family to know, my friends. I was like, if I write anonymously, no one will ever find it. Uh, (laughs) I'll just pay it off and no one will ever know. (laughs) Uh, It obviously got a little more public than that.
0: What is it that led you to do the shopping ban? And you had some really
1: specific rules. So tell us about that ban. So the shopping ban specifically was something that I started actually after I was debt-free. That's sort of a common misconception is people think that I did it to pay off my debt, but I was already debt-free. The problem was that the way I approached my debt repayment was super aggressive and it was not sustainable like basically the way I was um, restricting myself and not letting myself have kind of any money for just fun entertainment um, and so I was super restrictive the the numbers themselves weren't sustainable to keep up with and I also think I was so hard on myself when I paid off my debt that I didn't take the time to really learn why I had gotten into debt in the first place so just like, what kind of spender I was, where I would overspend most often, um, what my habits were, what my triggers were, stuff like that. And so I found that as soon as I was debt-free, I basically went back to spending all of my money. Uh Um, And so I I wasn't going back into debt, but I was just spending basically everything. Um, And I, I wanted to do better. And so the shopping ban really came from this place of just wanting to truly see if I could spend less, um, save a bit more that was the most important part of it for me was you know I was like I'm earning an okay income here. I should be able to save some money for my future. why can't I seem to be able to do that or why can't I still travel or like do any of the things that I say I want? Um, so I just it was it was totally financial at first. I really just wanted to see if I could spend less and save more money. Um, the rules itself it's it's funny because people sometimes say it sounds really restrictive but I looked at it in this way, like there was a list of things I was allowed to buy, which we could call more consumable, so the things you're actually consuming and using up. So obviously I could buy gas, or sorry, I could buy groceries, um, I could put gas in my car, um, toiletries, like when you run out of them, buy more, like you're allowed to have more toothpaste and more deodorant <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So anything that I was using up, I was allowed to buy. Um, I really just wasn't allowed to buy stuff unless I actually needed it. So the list of stuff I couldn't buy was, um, not that it's not consumable, it just wasn't essential. So things like clothes and shoes, um, books, magazines, electronics, things were around the house. Like if I, unless I found myself in some kind of situation where I really needed to replace something, I couldn't buy more. And the, so the challenge was just to really like learn how to live with what I had um, and, and see how that would affect my finances. As you moved into this year
0: of kind of this um, experiment or this new way of looking at what it was that you needed, what were the things that tempted you to buy? What were the little voices or feelings or ads that kind of whispered to you, spend money here? What happened with that?
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, like starting up front, it was the stuff I used most often. Um, So a big one for me was books. And I, I didn't really realize I had such a big habit of buying books basically whenever I heard about something that sounded interesting. And so I I used to do that thing years ago where um, as soon as I heard something, I would basically add it to whatever online retailer had it cheapest. And I would add something else back when it was like, get it up to $25 for free shipping. And I would do this like probably like once a week or at least every two weeks. I was having like two books at least come in every couple of weeks, but I was not reading that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just like, so the first few months of the shopping down were really hard because I realized I still had that habit. And I, every single time, um, I would think about doing it, I would have a stop and just say, well, okay, like, first of all, like what's going on? Why am I triggered? What just happened? Um, was I reading something, you know, did I hear it from a friend or on a podcast or something like that? Like, where did I just hear about this thing? why am I feeling like now is the perfect time to buy it? Like what kind of stories am I telling myself of why I need this? And what would it look like if I didn't buy it right now? Like what else can I do? Um, So the first few months were mostly just that. Um, I also had sort of the same reaction with takeout coffee. And I've had some people kind of laugh at that. They're like, oh, like giving out takeout coffee is so hard. Um, But it's it's not that it's the coffee. It's that that was something I used to buy almost every single day, which meant that almost every single day I had to not do that and figure out what to do instead. Um, so those were the toughest parts at first. Um, definitely as time went on, I i mean, that year was really tough um, personally and emotionally. So three months into it, um, I went through a breakup, and it wasn't the worst breakup I've been through, but it still brought up a lot of feelings of, um, just feeling rejected and like, I wasn't good enough. Um, maybe there was something wrong with me and really constantly just like wanting to do anything that could make me feel better. And I found in that time specifically, I started looking at a lot of things that I normally never look at. Like I was, I realized that during the shopping ban, I've never been like a big clothes shopper. Um, but during a breakup, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need a whole new wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I don't look good enough or something doesn't feel good enough. So like I need, I need more or better. I need to change something. Um, and I was always kind of looking for something that could make me feel better. And obviously I couldn't buy any of those things. It was, so it was really the first time where I had to just recognize that those were, or um, I was just a much more emotional consumer and shopper than I'd ever realized
0: you're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Kate Flanders. Her new book is The Year of Less How I Stopped Shopping, Gave Away All My Belongings, and Discovered Life is Worth More Than Anything You Can Buy in a Store. You can find out more about Kate and her work at kateflanders.com. That's C A I T Flanders.com. So, Kate, you didn't just give up shopping, but you also, well, a shopping ban for a year, but you also decluttered your home, and you brought up something that really stuck with me. I'll just read you a little something I pulled out of the book. You say, I never truly felt a need for something because I'd always purchased things to fill future needs that might come up. It never occurred to me to wait until I actually needed something. The truth, I was learning, was that we couldn't actually discover what we needed until we lived without it. I wonder if you can speak into that because as we try to declutter, as we, as we look at, and in all kinds of ways, declutter uh, by removing our debt, we try to streamline our lives so that the people and the opportunities we have with us are people who kind of reflect what's best for our highest good. It's very tempting to fall back into that old, I might need it someday or I need this right, there's the breakup, I need the new wardrobe. It's easy to fall into those old patterns. So what would you say to listeners who are wanting to make those changes, but might feel a little unsteady or a little unsure about what it is they really want? Mm, I mean,
1: at first it's almost like, I don't know if the answer is how to let go of stuff. I think it's more like from this moment on learning and literally just by hitting pause and kind of not acting so impulsively. So learning to talk to yourself about why you're thinking of making a purchase before you do it. Um, Because the truth is, like, decluttering can only go so far. Um, The long-term benefits that will come for us is if we start replacing, like, whatever we decluttered, it's actually you just need to be replacing better habits. Um, So when I look at the way that I used to shop, uh, I just, like you said, like, I used to buy a lot of things that I would need one day. Um, I also though, like I bought a lot of stuff where I would place a value on it before. Well, that it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, you place a value on something thinking like, say if I had bought, um, one example was these dresses. For some reason I was looking at during that breakup, not even wear dresses, (laughs) it was really interesting that I was even looking at them, but I was placing this value on them. Like, oh, when I buy this dress. Uh, I'm gonna look so good when I wear it, or you know people might think I look better or more put together. Um, and so then the problem is when you don't like if I bought it and then if you don't use the thing, then every time you look at it, it just kind of reminds you of how bad you feel still. Like you're like, oh, I wow, great. I still, like not only have I wasted money on this, but I'm still not using that thing. so um, the value I've placed on it, isn't even true. So I don't look better. I still look same old me. um, Or like what's wrong with me that I can't be that kind of person. And so I just, I used to buy all kinds of things for this like better or more aspirational version of myself. Um, And what I really needed to learn was how to buy things for the real me. And, and that really came like that year, the biggest thing I think I took away was that was I, I learned how now before making a purchase, I can really stop and ask myself, like, why am I thinking of buying this? Like, and if real me is going to use it right now, I buy it. I have no problem with buying stuff. But I also really want to make sure that, like I say that in interviews, like buying stuff is not bad and spending money is not bad. It just feels so much better when you buy stuff and then you actually use it. Because it's not just that you've placed a value on it. Like you're actually utilizing an object for, for its purpose, which is what every object out there has been created for. Uh, and and it, you find that it's bettering you in some way just because you're using it, not because it, it's made you better. It's just like, oh, this is a need that I have right now. I'm going to fulfill the need. Now life is better. Um, rather than buying it and thinking maybe one day, and then one day it never ever comes usually.
0: It's I'm thinking as I'm listening to you about that, That principle of abundance, that idea that we talk about sometimes on this show about how one of the guiding principles of abundance is that idea that there is always more. And I know for myself, because I'm a big, I do buy things aspirationally. So I think I'm going to, I'll buy this and then I will feel so happy when it arrives and I'll feel so great when I read it and it'll change my life. And then it comes and I put it in my big pile of books that I ordered that I didn't read. and right, But that principle of abundance, instead of buying from scarcity, which says, I will be better when I have this book. If I have, I should buy it now because otherwise I'm going to forget about it and I'm not, I won't remember. If I am buying from that principle of abundance, it allows me to go, wait a minute, is now the right time? Because there will always be more. There's always another opportunity. There are always more books or more dresses. There's always more. So am I buying from that? that trigger sales do that to me sometimes too. that trigger. Whoa, wait a minute, 10% off. And it ends tonight at, you know, 9 PM. I better hurry. That's buying from that principle of scarcity, better grab it, better get it. And I know that for me personally, things that I buy that way don't feel good. Usually.
1: No. And I think that is like, I'm so glad that you shared that specific example also, just because I can relate to it as a book buyer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What I, there are two things I want to say to that. Like one is that um, I would assume probably every single person listening to this has bought things just because they were on sale um, or just because of the language used around it. That is not anybody's fault. Um, I, and again, this kind of comes from a place of like, I want to strip away any shame we have about stuff that we've spent money on because It's Number one, it's in the past. It doesn't matter. It's what's done is done. Um, But that is literally how all marketing is. That's like what marketing is for the most part. There is some better marketing, trust marketing out there. But for the most part, so much of the things that are marketed, especially to women, um, it comes from a place of like, here's a problem you have or you're going to have in the future. Um, or like it feeds into our insecurities and then here's a deal on it. So even if you don't need it right this minute, you're going to, and here's why you should buy it now. And um, so that is so real, like scarcity is just built into the way the system works. Um, but you're right in that. I mean, that year I learned, especially like for how many purchases I thought about making, but then didn't make, um, First of all, for the most part, I got to the end of the year, I couldn't even remember what half of it was. I'm so glad that I didn't buy it because I never would have used it. And it obviously wasn't that important to me. Um, But I truly learned how to stop buying things just because they're on sale. And in fact, like I, I would, for the most part, tell people always, and I'm like, just avoid looking at sales because if you're looking for something to buy, you will almost always find something. Right and, and when I look back on the shopping ban as a whole, I'm, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if so much of it was a shopping ban because I did buy some things that year. Like I had a few things come up where I had to buy something. Um, it really was more like a browsing ban. Like I just stopped looking for more and instead only bought things when I actually needed it. Because as soon as I stopped looking for more, then I stopped wanting more and um, and I, for the first time, really just felt like I was like, content with what I had and, and really grateful for the stuff that I had um, and did know, like you said, that if I needed it in the future or like when the shopping ban was over, I could buy it. But that part, that didn't happen. Like everyone asks, like, oh, when you got to the end of the year, did you buy, buy a bunch of stuff? And the answer is no, because I didn't need anything. <laughs> what is the path of less? almost not even so much about less. I think it's about slowing down. And I say that, um, I mean, right now you'll hear a lot of different terms be kind of used interchangeably. So minimalism or simple living, slow living. Um, If I really felt like I identified with one of those over anything else, um, it would be slow living. I don't really consider myself a minimalist, even though I don't have a lot of stuff. The stuff isn't the point and the less isn't the point per se. It's, it's that that year I really learned how to slow down, how to stop living like, I don't know, like everything was had to be done or purchased like right then and there. Um, and I just learned so much about myself as a person, as a consumer, Um, what my habits were, who I really was. Um, And it's not not just because I didn't buy stuff for a year, it's because for a year, it's like I sort of had hit the pause button on the life I was living and on a bunch of my habits. And instead of just go, 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 and continuing on the path of like, buy now, move quickly, get everything done, like live a busy life, I really slowed down and started to ask myself some bigger questions of like, who am I? And what do I really want out of life? And what kind of lifestyle do I really want? And yeah, just like, you know, we don't get that much time here, even though we were just saying like, there's always more time or more stuff like that's true. But then at the same time it's life can be very short. Mm -hmm. Um, and really saying like what do I actually want out of it and there's just not that much that I can say <laughs> there's not that many things I could buy that are going to make my life that much better there are certainly things that make it more convenient but it's um it's that's all it is like stuff makes things convenient that's not like at the core of who you are the stuff around you probably has nothing to do with it and I had just never really thought about that until I slowed down that year. I don't know if it's just about less. I think it's about like slowing, your, slowing down and asking yourself what you actually want.
0: Well, and stuff can be such a kind of like a, a mirror or a prism for how we feel about ourselves at any certain time in our journey. What we surround ourselves with or what we choose to let go of says a can reflect back to us how we are feeling, like where we are on our journey. I have an especially obnoxious tunic in my closet. I don't wear tunics. Um, I have an especially obnoxious tunic in my closet. It's colors that don't work for me. It's um, sized for a woman with a completely different body shape. And I bought that because I was trying to be freer and more happy, and it was on sale, and I think I saw it in a Facebook ad. And every time I look at that tunic, it kind of makes me laugh because the woman that tunic is for is not me and so even though that was a mistake to buy it it kind of cracks me up every time i see it because it reminds me not to put my energy toward that projection it reminds me to make choices based on sort of who i who i really am you can have it if you want it it may maybe it would look <laughs> good on you um i'm not sure honestly if there is anyone on earth that that thing would look good on them <laughs> happy to That's send amazing. it over if you <laughs> If you want it. Kate, can you let the listeners know really quick how they can connect with you?
1: Yeah, um, I would actually say right now that the best way would be on Instagram. So um, it's just at Kate Flanders And like you said, Kate is spelled C-A-I-T. Yeah, I've been kind of just thinking about what content looks like for me in the future. And I'm feeling just a little uncertain about like blogging and what that looks like. Um, But Instagram, I hang out on quite a bit. So that's probably the best place. Very
0: cool. Thank you so much for being on the program. It's a lot of fun. And I am going to send you that tunic now, so don't try to hide. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. thank, (laughs) Thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. These are great, great questions. Thank you. That is Kate Flanders. She's the
0: author of The Year of Less, How I Stopped Shopping, Gave Away All My Belongings, and Discovered Life is Worth More Than Anything You Can Buy in the Store. You can find her online at KateFlanders.com. That's C-A-I-T Flanders.com. And follow her on Instagram at Kate Flanders. And Kate is spelled C-A-I-T. That idea of being triggered, pushed um, to do things even when we know they're not in our best interest is something that I believe mindfulness and daily spiritual practice, returning to center with the breath, can really help with. If I had taken a couple breaths, I probably wouldn't own that horrible tunic. If I had allowed myself, and it's done with compassion and love, if I'd allowed myself to get clear about what I was doing before I did it, I probably would not have the tunic and I probably wouldn't have some of those other impulsive purchases in my life. If you'd like to share with me ways in which you are changing your spending habits, whether it's that you are being more mindful about what you buy, whether you're thinking about doing a a shopping kind of slowdown or a browsing ban, as Kate did, I'd love to hear your stories. You can always find me, Karen, at karenhager.com. And of course, my website's at KarenHager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. The new class, Heart of Abundance, is launching soon. So head over to the website and keep an eye out for that. And we can also connect for a private session if you are so inclined. That's at KarenHager.com. And if you believe, as I do, that when we focus our collective intention on things, those things change if you believe that you might want to join me once a month for sunday of every month for opening the peaceful heart that's a free 15-minute guided meditation call where we come together with people from all over the world who are focusing their intention on peace in our hearts and peace in the world that's free to you and all of that's available at openpeacefulheart.com and thank you for listening today together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing until next time I'm wishing you peace.